Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. Good to see you. How are you all doing today? Well, it's a beautiful day out there, isn't it? It's gorgeous. Uh, glad, to, glad to see you. My name's Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at the Church of Rocky Peak. And if you're here for the very first time, we are so uh, glad that you're here. We want to welcome you. Uh, you've got a program in front of you, uh, announcements in there. Uh, for those of you who are new, once a month, uh, Lynn and I do a dessert at our house uh, for newcomers uh, on Saturday nights. The one for this month's already filled up, but there's one coming up in December. You can sign up online for that. And uh, we've got a baptism coming up in a couple weeks. You can see information on that. But rest, just encourage you. Yeah, It'd be a great time. We've got already, I think, 20 some people already signed up for the baptism that weekend. So it's just already, it's two weeks away. So uh, we're looking forward to that weekend. But um, anyway, the rest of the announcement you kind of read on your own uh, time or during a boring part in the sermon or something like that. Uh, but uh, uh, if you are new, inside the, uh, the, 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 our message notes, we use every week for our time of teaching. And so, you know, encourage you to pull that out. And uh, if you guys are all ready to go, I'm set. Y'all set? All right, let's pray. God, just thank you for what you're doing here in our lives and our church and what you've done through us through Jesus and this whole new relationship you've called us into where you step into our life to shepherd us. And today as we talk about, about how that works and how you shepherd us, we pray that you just move, speak, teach, lead, and, and guide us in the path to life. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, today we're continuing this series that we've been in now for what, about uh, three weeks? We're going to be in, uh, in it about four more weeks after this. Uh, and, and so the, the series is called Behind the Music, which is a study uh, based on the book of Psalms. Now, if you've been a believer for a long time, you know that, that the book of Psalms is one of the most popular books in all the Bible. And yet one thing that many people don't know, and I've mentioned this the last few weeks, is that, that uh, the book of Psalms are actually a collection of songs, kind of top hits of Israel, kind of gathered over a thousand year period of time with some of the greatest spiritual leaders in the nation. And, and, and so what we're doing every week is kind of going behind the music into the lyrics, kind of to learn the spiritual life lessons that these great spiritual leaders teach us about how to walk with God, what does it look like to have a relationship with God that's very real, powerful, uh, life-changing, vital. And so today we come to one of the most popular of all Psalms, which is Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And, and it's, you know, one of the things about coming to a passage of scripture that's very familiar, and I realize that for some of you, this may be the very first time you're going to read it, but for others of us, we've grown up on it, memorized it, and one of the dangers of, of any passage of Scripture that you're very familiar with is often you assume you know what it's saying just because you're so familiar and you miss the obvious, and so what we want to do today is kind of dive in a little bit deeper, take a look at this, and come back and ask how this uh, fits in our life, and so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 23, and we will go ahead and jump in. Now, the first thing you'll notice uh, as you open up is this is a psalm of home. Yeah, it's one of David's psalms. And so he starts off and he says, the Lord. And whenever you see those four, uh, you see that that word Lord in all caps. What's that mean again? Yahweh. Okay, and so for those of you who are new, one thing we're learning is that in the Old Testament, whenever you see the word Lord in all caps, it's the translator's way of telling you that that in the the Hebrew, it doesn't really say Lord, it really says Yahweh, the personal name of God by which God had revealed himself to the nation. And we'll talk more about that later on today. So he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, Now for David, uh, for those of you who've been Christians a while, you may remember this, that David uh, grew up as a shepherd. He was the youngest of eight sons. And, uh, and so as the kind of runt of the family, he got the job of taking care of the sheep. And so he's very familiar with sheep, shepherd. This whole analogy is a powerful analogy. He spent hours and hours leading sheep out to find green pasture and leading them by still waters. And one thing David knew about sheep, uh, sheep is that sheep are incredibly stupid. 
Are you seeing the implication? All right, yeah, so, so sheep aren't real bright. Um, they're not fast, uh, they're not strong. And so if you're a sheep, you're kind of totally dependent on your life for your shepherd. And that's kind of the point of this. And so David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now catch this, this term uh, kind of comparing God to a shepherd was common in Israel. In fact, there in your note sheet, uh, Asaph, who is one of the great worship leaders of Israel, you studied his Psalm last week, Psalm 73. He wrote many Psalms, he compares Israel to a flock and God is the shepherd. And so he looks back in their history to where God led the nation of Israel out of Egypt and into the desert. And if you follow along, he says, but he talking about God, God brought his people out like a what? Like a flock and he led them like what? like sheep through the desert. And so this is kind of a common biblical metaphor. God is a shepherd, his people are the sheep. But here's what I want you to catch. What's so revolutionary about this Psalm is that David doesn't say the Lord is our shepherd. What does he say? The Lord is what? My shepherd. And I want, to, I want you to catch this. I want to do a quick sidebar here real quick is that in every one of our lives, we have to move on a, on a spiritual journey where the Lord moves from being the shepherd to my shepherd. And so it's like some of you have grown up in, in Christian homes uh, uh, and you remember what this was like is that the God of your parents uh, had to become your God, that we all have to go through that transition. Uh, some of you may be new here to Rocky Peak and you like what's going on and, and you kind of like this God that we talk about. If you look at it, it's kind of like our God. Uh, this is our God. But, but for, for you to move on in your spiritual journey, the, the God of this church has to become your God. Uh, sometimes we read the Bible and we say, here's the, the God of David or the God of Abraham or the God of the Apostle Paul, well, that has, he has to become your God. And so this is the journey we're all on as we transition from the God who's out there to the God who's here, the God who is the creator of God to the God who becomes my God. And that only happens through personal experience. It only happens through we press in and through life as we experience God shepherding us, it moves from the shepherd out there to our shepherd. And so he says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not be in what? In want. Now, today I'm going to give you three Hebrew words in the course of this, I'm just warning you. And the reason I'm doing this is just to prove that I went to seminary. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I, I want to highlight three important words. And the first one is this word want, or like a better translation would say, I, I don't lack anything. That's the idea. The idea is if the Lord is your shepherd, that you're, you're not going to lack. You're going to have everything you need. So the Hebrew word is a little Hebrew word. In Hebrew, all words are based off three letters, three consonants. You throw in some vowels, you buy a vowel, and you get a word. And uh, so, so in Hebrew, it's, the word is chasar. It's a, it's, a H, it's a hard H sound, chasar. So it's like H-S-R, throw it a place. So hasar. And what it means is to lack something. It's just the Lord Yahweh is my shepherd and therefore I won't lack anything I need in life. Now catch this. He doesn't mean I don't lack anything I want in life. Okay. And he's not saying I won't go through any hard times in life because we're going to see in this very Psalm, he's going to talk about dangerous times, enemy times. So we're all going to go through this. But, but what he's saying is if the Lord is your shepherd, then you have everything you need to thrive. Everything you need to live the life that God has called you to live, he's provided that. And so he goes on. And now of course, David is familiar with sheep and, 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 and uh, what it means to be a shepherd. And so he's going to talk to us in this Psalm about how God uh, kind of leads us and guides us. And and how God provides for us and how he protects us. And so he's gonna to begin to use that analogy now. And so he says, so he makes me lie down in green pastures. 
So, so one of the things you need, if you're a sheep, you need pasture. That's your, your food source. So it's one of your greatest needs. And, and so he says, if, if, you're one of the, if, if you're a sheep, the shepherd's going to make you lie down. You're not real bright as a sheep. You're not even sure, well, I'm here. I need to lie down. You know? So uh, the shepherd goes, okay, time to lie down. This is it. We're here. And so he says uh, that, that God as his shepherd provides for him, metaphor, uh, pasture. He moves on and he says, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet water. So if you're a sheep, you need not only pasture land, you need water to drink. And so he says, God is the one who comes to my life, provides all my needs. He's like a sheep. He leads me to quiet waters, a place where a sheep could actually approach the water, not be afraid of the running water and, and drink the water. And so he says, he restores my soul. So in the same way that a shepherd leads his sheep out, provides all they need, the green grass, the water, makes sure they're rested after their long journey. So God, he says, guides him and provides everything he needs in his life. And now he goes on in verse three and he says, he guides me in the paths of righteousness or the right paths, okay? Just think of it as the right paths. Like if you're a sheep, you don't know where to go. Okay? If you're a sheep, you don't know where the green pasture is. You don't know where the cool water is. And this is a great thing about being a sheep is you don't need to know. Because the great thing is that you have a shepherd and the shepherd knows. And so he will guide you where you are. And so we just kind of stop here for a second. Like if you're here today, the idea is, is that like if your marriage is really messed up and you know it's messed up, but you don't know how to get from here to there. You don't know how to fix it. You don't really know how to fix it. You just need to have a shepherd who knows how to fix it because he knows how to get you from here to there. If you're struggling financially, if there's health issues, if you have problems with your kids, the problems, whatever the issue is, the great thing about being a sheep is you don't really have to know how to get from here to there. You just need a shepherd who needs to know. And that's his point. He guides me in the right paths. So in the same way as a shepherd will guide a sheep, he will guide us to the right destination. So you remember in our last series in Proverbs, we learned this path language. There's a path to life. There's a path to death. So choose wisely. And so what David says is, is, is God is the one who guides him in his life. So not only provides for him the green grass, the water, but he guides him in the paths of righteousness, the right paths. Then he, he moves on and he says, he guides me in the paths of righteousness. And he throws in this very important phrase. He says, he guides me in paths of righteousness for, for what? For his name's sake. Can we say that again? For his name's sake. Now, I, I want to talk about this because this is a very important phrase. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We were in Psalm 25, but I want to circle around again because I know there's not a chance you remember what I said two weeks ago. So no, I want to circle around. The reason, seriously, I want to circle around is because it's such an important concept for us as Christ followers to understand this concept of the name. Uh, you will often see this in the book of Psalms where the psalmist will say, uh, for the sake of your name, will you forgive me? For the sake of your name, will you rescue me? For the sake of your name, will you answer my prayer? For, for the sake of your name, will you, will you judge the wicked? And you'll see this constantly for the sake of your name. And, and so what is he talking about? Well, when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt, out of bondage, you remember that God spoke to Moses and said, go down and get my people out. And, and you remember that one of the questions Moses had for God is, what is your 
name. Do you remember that? What's your name? They're gonna ask me your name. Is it George, Frank, Billy? Like, what's your name? And he says, my name is Yahweh. And by this name, I didn't reveal myself to the forefathers, but I'm revealing myself to you. My name is Yahweh. But at this point in the story, he doesn't really tell them what that name means. He just says, my name is Yahweh, okay? Now, after they've come out of Egypt, they're out at Mount Sinai three months after they leave, they leave uh, Egypt, uh, God reveals himself in new ways. And while they're there, on one occasion, Moses says to God, God, I really wanna know you in a deeper way. And God says, okay, I will pass uh, all my goodness before you. That's a very important phrase. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We just want to circle back. It's in Exodus 33, 19. It's on your note sheet. Why don't you but God says, I'll, I'll pass all my goodness in front of you. And so when God talks about his goodness, he's talking about the sum total of all he is. All his, his compassion, his love, his power, his brilliance. That, that's like an like umbrella term. I'll pass all, he says, I want to know you. Okay, I'll pass my goodness in front of you. You following this? Okay. So he says, I'll pass my goodness. So, so the very next day, uh, God comes down in a cloud and he passes before Moses and he proclaims his name. Now, what he's doing is essentially, he's what we're calling today, what we call today, he's branding himself. Some of you are in business, you're familiar with that term, but if you're in business or, or an organization or a church or whatever, you know that organizations, churches, a business, that they'll spend a lot of time and think, I wanna brand ourselves." And the idea is, is that when you hear the name of a certain company, that certain images come to your mind, that that name stands for something. It's like shorthand for, for something. It's like if I say Starbucks, right? That there's certain images that come to your mind, right? Probably like kind of cool music, expensive coffee, uh, uh, smells like coffee, leather chairs, right? There's certain kind of cool art on like certain things. Now, if, if I say Starbucks, certain images come to mind. If I say Denny's, <laughs> right? Different images come to mind, right? And, and so, so, so companies have work at this so that when you hear the name, uh, that you know what they're about. And so when I say Target, a certain image comes to your mind. When you say Walmart, a different image comes to your mind. When I say Nordstrom's, something comes to your mind. If I say 99 cent store, something comes to your mind. If I say Harley Davidson, something comes to your mind and a lot to my mind. And, and, and so, and I just think of free roads and you know, whatever. So, uh, uh, you know, so, so you get that when you say Apple computer, like that you say Apple, you've said a lot, right? There's images that come. And so, so what God is gonna do in this passage is he's going to brand himself. He's gonna say, when you hear the name Yahweh, this is who I am, this is my core character. I, I want you to think this when you hear Yahweh. So there on your note sheet is a passage from Exodus 34. And it's one of the most important, if not the most important passage in the Old Testament. It, it is, the, catch this, it is the, the passage that's quoted more than any other passage in the Old Testament. In other words, when, when the Hebrew people were reading their Bibles, this was the, the verse they quoted the most because it's the verse where God reveals who he is, who, who he is if they've come into relationship. So let's see what he says. See how he brands himself. He says, then the Lord, uh, Yahweh, remember it's all caps, so, it's all, so Yahweh comes down in the cloud and he stood there with him, with Moses, and he proclaims his name, Yahweh, and he passes in front of Moses and he proclaims Yahweh, Yahweh. And so, so now he's gonna begin to fill that name with meaning. He's gonna begin to brand himself. And he says, 
the compassionate and gracious God. So he says, the first thing you need to know about me, Moses, is that I am just full of compassion and grace. That's who I am. I could never be other than that. That is my core identity. It's my core character. Like I am the compassionate and gracious God. And then the next he says, the next thing you need to know is I'm slow to anger. In other words, I will get angry, but it takes a lot to push my buttons. It, it takes a lot to tick me off. It, it's like I've got a long fuse. I, I will get angry, but I'm very patient by my core nature. And then he says, and next I'm abounding in what? Abounding in love. Now here's your second Hebrew word of the day. Important word, it's the word chesed. H-S-D with a couple E's thrown in. Chesed. Okay, now this becomes a very important word in the Old Testament because it speaks of God's covenantal love. Okay, so, so it's not just I love you, but it's like I'm committed to love you for the rest of your life. It's, it's, it's a covenant love. It's like a marriage love where when you stand up in front of some, the, the pastor or whatever and you say, I do, you're not just saying, I love you today. I might change my mind tomorrow. Right? What you're saying is I'm committing to love you for the rest of my life. It's a covenantal commitment to love. And this becomes an incredibly important word in the Old Testament. In fact, this is such a powerful word that several years ago, my son-in-law came to me and said, hey, I want to get this tattooed on my arm. Chesed, can you help me get the Hebrew down right? And, and I said, how big will it be? And he said, well, not very big. And then it got real big. But anyway... Um, <laughs> Anyway, so uh, uh, this, he says, catch this. So he says, abounding in love. Do you catch that? Abounding, not a little bit of love. He says, well, you need to know this about me, that I'm not, I have a little bit of love. I'm abounding. I'm overflowing. It's who I am. I, I am a person that's love just kind of pours out of me. I'm just kind of full of love. I'm abounding in love. And I'm not only abounding in love, I'm abounding in faithfulness, which deals with kind of loyalty or keeping your word or keeping your promises that I'm abounding. I'm a great promise keeper. And he says, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and what? Sin. So he says, this is who I am. I'm a God that when you get off track, when you rebel, if you come back and you repent and you turn to me, I'm a God who forgives that. That just because you've messed up, just because you've been far from me, you've rebelled, doesn't mean it's the end of our relationship. If you will come back and you repent, that, that I will, I'm a God who forgives. That's who I am. It's part of my core nature. I cannot not be that way. This is who I am. And so then he goes on and he says, yet, an important yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. And so in other words, this is not, Yahweh is not a soft God, he's a tough God. You don't think you're gonna pull one over under God. He'll kick your butt. I mean, when you say, when you, at the end of time, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back on a white horse with a tattoo on his side and a sword coming out of his mouth and he's all bloody and he's coming back to clean up the mess, right? So you don't mess with this God. And, and so it's this, this picture of this God who's full of compassion, full of love, he is quick to forgive. He is slow to get angry. He is abounding in love, but he is God. Don't mess with him. Okay? 
Okay, so, and so this becomes, catch this, the core passage of the Old Testament that defines this is who God is. This is who we've entered into relationship with. And so in this, God brands himself. So what happens then is in the Psalms and the rest of the Old Testament, so many times what happens is the psalmist will say, God, you told us who you were. You said you were the compassionate God. And so based on who you said that you were, will you rescue me from this jam I'm in because you said you were the compassionate compassionate one. Okay. What will you speak into my life and will you forgive me though I've rebelled because you said you are the God who forgives. Now will you forgive me even though I've been disloyal, will you be loyal to me because you said you're abounding in loyalty. You see? And, and so, so what happens is in the Psalms, they're always asking God, would you rescue? Would you do that? Well, because of it's who you are. It's who you said you are. It's not because I deserve it, but based on the name. Are, are you with me in this? You found, this is a powerful concept. In fact, in the future, pr- chances are down the road, we'll do a whole series on the branding because this is powerful because what happens in is, is you see that, that living for the name becomes important. In the New Testament, Jesus says, we pray, hallowed be thy name, right? And what happens when we become a follower of Jesus, we get branded with the name. And so we're, so we're, we're to be, they were, they were excited, they were worthy to suffer for the name. We're to do all things in the name of Jesus. And so this concept of the name and being name bearers becomes extremely important. So we'll probably do a series on that. But what I want you to catch today is just such an important concept in the Psalms. And so notice how David uh, rolls this out here in verse three. He says, he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his what? For his name's, in other words, he says, when God is your shepherd, he will guide you, not because you deserve it, because his name, because he's making a name for himself. He wants to have brand integrity, that when you hear the name, that God always lives up to his own name, and he's always making a name for himself. And so now in verse four, we're gonna change moods. Up to this point in the psalm, it's been very pastoral. It's been green fields. It's been quiet waters. But now we, we go, well, what about those times in our life where we go through very dangerous times, very vulnerable times, hard times, painful times? What does it mean to have a shepherd in our life during those times? And he says, uh, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So when you're a shepherd... There's times you have to lead your sheep through dangerous places to get to the green pasture. Sometimes you have to lead them through a winding path through a narrow ravine with high cliffs where the sun can't even get in. It's very dark, it's cramped space, it's dangerous because if wild animals come, there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide. But David says, what I've learned in my life is even Uh, When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There's no need to be afraid. Why? Because you are with me as my shepherd and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so a shepherd would have a staff, the longer stick that he would use to guide his sheep, keep them on the path, keep it during the dangerous times. But he would also have a rod, a club, a short cudgel that he would use to defend his sheep. And so, so what David's saying is that when I'm going through these scary, dark times, I, I still have learned not to fear because I've learned you're with me and you'll guide me and you'll protect me. 
And so we know from David's experience, you may remember this story of David and Goliath. Remember when David was going before King Saul and trying to convince the king to let him fight Goliath and Saul didn't want to because he was young and not as big. He said, listen, when I, you know, God has been with me and when I'm out there with my flocks and a bear would come or a lion would come, I, I would go one-on-one with them. I'd take them down. I'd, I'd take them out and the Lord would be with me and I would kill them. I'd grab them and I'd hit them and I'd kill them. And, and, I, and it's like pretty strong stuff. And, and so then Saul said, okay. So David knows what it means to be a shepherd. And one of the jobs of a shepherd is to stand between the sheep and danger. And so, so this is what, what David is saying is not only does God provide for his sheep, green pasture, still waters, not only does he guide his sheep, paths of righteousness, but he protects his sheep. He stands between them. And David says, so I've learned in my life, even in the hard times and the dangerous times, I don't have to be afraid because I have a shepherd and he stands between me and danger and nothing can get by him but what he allows to get by. And now in verse five, he's going to totally change the metaphor. Up to this point, we're talking sheep, we're talking shepherds. God's a shepherd, we're the sheep. Now he's changing metaphors and God is gonna become a dinner host. Uh, a, A dinner host is throwing a lavish party and inviting David as his honored guest. And so he says in verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so he says, God, you're, you're like a dinner host that throws this huge party for me in the presence of my enemies, either meaning that even in the midst of life's crazy chaos and danger, there is a safe spot where you meet me in the middle of that, either that or in the sense of you've conquered my enemies. And like a king would do in ancient times, often when a king would conquer his enemies, he'd make them part of his court. And so they would actually eat with him as a sign of his power that he'd conquered them. And so, so either way, David's saying, hey, you, you are providing this lavish feast for me and it's a place of safety, you know, where you've conquered my enemies. And then he goes on and he says, um, you anoint my head with oil. Now in ancient times, when you would uh, go into a place for dinner, you're being honored, they would often anoint your head with oil. I'm not sure really why. I guess they felt like it was very refreshing or cool. I don't, I don't really get it. Uh, it sort of seems like an odd hair product to me. But, but they would take like, you know, olive oil, mix it with fragrance, put it on your head, kind of rub it in and it was a sign of honor and refreshing and that sort of thing. And so he says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And so he's painting a picture of this lavish banquet where, where the wine is flowing and his cup is overflowing. And so it's not like, you know, God pours you a little bit of wine and like, okay, now make that last the whole dinner because, because that's all I can afford. You know, it's like, they're just, it's like, no, no, the wine is flowing. His cup is over. It's a way of saying this, this feast, this party is amazing. God is, provides for him. And then he says this final statement. He says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Now, this is a very powerful statement. We've already, there's three important words here, goodness, love, and follow. We've already talked about goodness, haven't we? We talked about goodness, that God's goodness passed before Moses. It stands for all that God is, all of his care, you know, all his great qualities, his goodness. We've talked about the word love. Here the word is chesed, same exact word, abounding in love back in, in Exodus 34. He's the God abounding in chesed. And he says, so, so surely good in Hebrew, it's called tov, surely tov and chesed will follow me. Now here's the interesting thing. The word follow here in Hebrew would be better translated as pursue. This is the final Hebrew word I'm gonna give you. It's a Hebrew word, radaf, like R-D-F. So like throwing a couple A's. Radaf, 
Right? And so and when, what it means is not so much to follow like a, like a sheep following a shepherd, it means to pursue, like, like a policeman running after a criminal. And so it becomes this powerful statement that David says, because God is my shepherd, because he's his host, that his goodness, all he is, and his chesed, his abounding love, it's gonna chase me all of my life. It's gonna chase me down, it's gonna pursue me. Here's the thought, I will never outrun the love of God in my life. You see, that's not, I will never escape it. I will, there's never any place I can go where the love of God is like, I can't keep up. I can't keep up, slow down. Like, no, it will always pursue us. It will always be there with us. And so he ends up and he says, and I will dwell in the house of Yahweh forever, which is a symbolic way of saying like where you'd go to the tabernacle or the temple and you would dwell in the presence of Yahweh. It's a symbolic way of saying that I will, I will walk in God's presence as my shepherd, as my dinner host, all the days of my life. Like no one will ever take me away from this shepherd. No one will ever be able to take me away from this dinner host. I'll always live in his presence. And so, so that's the passage, okay? So we kind of, we've kind of drilled down deep. We've, we've kind of followed along. And so now here's what I want to do. In the time that we have left today, I want to do a couple of things. First of all, I want to highlight what it means to have a shepherd. Like if God's your shepherd, then what can you count on in your life? And then I want to finish up with a couple of questions just to bring this home and to get really practical. And so there in your note sheet, there's a section called the shepherd's promise. So if God is your shepherd, what can you expect from him? And so let's, let's jump in. The first thing that David says, that if God is your shepherd, you can expect that he will lead and guide. Okay? And of course we saw this, right? That, that he will lead us beside quiet waters. He will guide us in paths of righteousness in the hard times. His staff will be there. To, to guide us. And so David says, if God is your shepherd, then you can expect that he will lead and guide you. Now, this is so important. We talked about it a couple weeks ago in Psalm 25. And we spent the whole week on this, this concept that, that God speaks. You remember that? And we talked about when, when you become a follower of Jesus, that you step into a relationship where God becomes your father, or in this analogy, God becomes your shepherd. And here's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It does not mean that when you become a follower of Jesus, that he gives you kind of the manual, the Bible, and says, okay, you're on your own. I will see you in 30, 40, 50, you know, however, 10 years, you know, however long you have, and I hope it works out. Right? That that's not what, it, that what happens is that when God calls us into relationship, he calls us into a very personal and intimate relationship where he steps into our life to guide and to lead us. And that he wants to speak into our life and his Holy Spirit comes in to shepherd us and to mentor us. And so he's gonna speak, he's gonna lead, he's gonna guide, he's gonna teach. And we spent a whole week on that just two weeks ago. So I'm not gonna go into that in great detail, but you remember what we learned how you know how God speaks through his word, through his spirit, through wise counsel, through circumstances, through aha moments, through down, spiritual downloads, through visions, through dreams, dreams. He's very creative. But the point is, is that if you have a shepherd, you don't have to figure out your whole life. That's the point. That if, you're, if you have a shepherd and you're not on your own, 
Like I said earlier, in that marriage, in your parenting, in your finances, in your spiritual life, in your job situation, if you have a shepherd, you're not on your own, that he will walk with you to lead and guide and direct. Okay, so that's the first thing David says. If you have a shepherd, you can trust him. He'll lead and guide. This is the relationship he calls us to. It's not a distant one. It's a very close, upfront, personal, two-way communication sort of thing. Now, secondly, the second thing he says is if, if God is your shepherd, that you can expect that he will protect and he will provide. That, that God will step in and protect you and provide. So let's talk about provide first. I want you to look back at this opening statement in Psalm 23, 1. Let's look what he says. He says, the Lord Yahweh is my shepherd and I shall not be in what? want. It's a statement of provision. It's what David is saying is if God is your shepherd, you have everything you need to live and to thrive and to be the person he's called you to be. There's a great verse in the New Testament that's not on your note sheet, but I just want to give it to you real quick. It's 2 Peter 1.3, where the apostle Peter says that when you come to Jesus, what he says is that we are given Here's the quote, everything you need for life and godliness. That, that when God is your shepherd, that every, what, what do you need? What do you need relationally? What do you need spiritually? What do you need financially? Whatever you need to carry out his plan in calling for your life, that whatever you need, that he will provide. And so in this passage, and he lays that out like in sheep, you know, he, he gives green pastures, yes. Uh, quiet waters, yes. Time to rest, yes. And so whatever you need, he will provide. But the second thing he says in this passage is not only will he provide, but he'll protect. And of course, this goes back to verses four where he says, hey, what I've learned in my life is when, when, even when I'm going through the scariest times, even when I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, a time where it's all bets are off, a high alert system, we're at code red or whatever we are, you know, it's like the alerts are going on. Life is dangerous for whatever reason. You know, the, the, you just got the report from the doctor and the cancer is on, or, or you just got the call from your spouse, I don't want to be married anymore, or you just got the, the call from your child that they're arrested and they're down at the station, or you're at work and you don't know what to do and you're going to get laid off, or you don't know how to make the mortgage, or spiritually your life is flat and you don't know what to do, that whatever the danger is, he says, what I've learned is when I walk through the valley of the shadow, there's really no need for me to fear because anything that's coming at me has got to get through my shepherd first. That's what I've learned. He says, in my life experience, and, and David had been there. David had been there from, on the run from King Saul for over 10 years, right? There was many times he was a step away from death. David lived a hard life, but he says, one thing I've learned is that if God is your shepherd, there is no need to fear whatever you're facing because anything that's coming at you has got to go through him. It's got to go through his club. You know, it's got to get by him. And so if he lets it go by, it's for your growth. He's got a reason or whatever. But if it, you know, but if it gets to you, it's got to go through him. And so he says, I've learned to trust in that, that if God is your shepherd, he will protect. And that's what he means in verse five, where he says, he, he, he sets a table for me in the presence of my enemies. 
like he provides for me in the presence of my enemies. And so, so what David is saying in this psalm then, and I want you to catch this, what it means if you have a shepherd is that God will lead and he will guide and he will protect and he will provide, okay? That's the psalm. In fact, I want us to say that together. If God is your shepherd, let's say it together. He's gonna lead and guide and protect and provide. Let's say it once again. If God's your shepherd, he's gonna lead and guide and protect and provide. That's what it means to have a shepherd, okay? Are you clear on this? We've done, we've broken down the psalm. We've, we're clear on that. Now I've got two questions for you. So we wrap it up, two questions. The first question is for those of you who have not yet given your life to Christ. For, for whatever reason, may, maybe you didn't know you could have a shepherd. Maybe you didn't know you needed a shepherd. Uh, maybe you've come here for a long time. It's been years. Maybe you've come here for the first time. But, but whatever it is that you've never had a time in your life where you've asked Christ to come into your life and to be your shepherd. So here's question number one. The question is, is the Lord, all caps, is the Lord your shepherd? Has there been a time in your life where you've recognized that you need a shepherd and you've bowed the knee and asked Jesus to come and be your shepherd? Do you have a shepherd? Is the Lord your shepherd? Now, the reason I'm asking this is I want you to catch this. This is not automatic. Lots of times we act in our culture today is that God's like everyone's shepherd. That's not what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says. That if you want to have a shepherd, you have to ask him to be your shepherd and you have to come under his leadership as his sheep. See? And so the question is, that do you have a shepherd? It's interesting because in the New Testament, this is one of the images that Jesus picks up. Jesus would often do this. He would take an Old Testament image, it's an image of God, clearly, and he'd apply it to himself. It was one of the ways that he taught his deity. But one of the things he said in John chapter 10, one of the images he picked up, he said, I am the good what? Shepherd, I am the good shepherd. And then he goes on to say, in fact, this is the reason I've come. I've come so that my sheep might have life and I might have it to the full, kind of life overflowing. He says, that's why I've come. I've come to give you a new life, both this life and the next life. That's why I've come. And he says, then he goes on to say, and that's why I've come to die. What he says is, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So here's what I want you to catch. God wants to be your shepherd. This is why Jesus came to be your shepherd. This is why Jesus died, so he had the right to be your shepherd. But the question is, have you responded? Is he your shepherd? Look, what, look what, how Jesus put it there on your, on your notion, John 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have what? Life, and they might have it what? To the full, cup overflowing. See, he says, this is why I've come to planet earth so that you can have a shepherd who will lead, guide, protect, and provide. And he says, I am the good what? I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Just like David went between harm's way, Jesus is the one who ultimately went the harm's way of your greatest enemy, which is your sin that separates you from God forever and condemns you to hell. 
And so Jesus went between you and your greatest danger and he laid down his life to protect you so that you could have a whole new life. So the question is, if you're here today, I don't care if you can come to Rocky Peak for 15 years. Some of you probably have been coming for 15 years and you've never truly been saved. You've never really given your life to Christ. You've never been changed. You've never experienced the new life of Christ coming in you. You've been coming for a long time, but you've never been changed. You've never been born again for whatever reason. And, and, and so Jesus is offering you to be your shepherd. Some of you may be here for the very first time today, and there's something beating in your heart right now. You can't even explain it. What you're experiencing right now, you've never experienced in your life. There's something within you that's almost leaping out of your chair and saying, Mike, I want it. I want that shepherd. I want him. I can't explain how. I didn't feel that when I walked in today, but I want him today. I want a shepherd. I want someone who will lead and guide and protect and provide. I want the Lord to be my shepherd. And if that's where you are today, in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you a chance to ask Jesus to be your shepherd and to enter that relationship. But the second question is for those of us who are Christ followers, there is a time in our life. We have given our life. Christ came into our life. We, we were born again. We've been changed. But here's the question that I have for you. Are you trusting him to shepherd you? Are you trusting him today, right now, to shepherd you in your life? You, you say, Mike, I'm a Christian. Is the Lord your shepherd? Yes, the Lord's my shepherd. Okay, are you letting him shepherd you? Like as we walked in today, that you have a shepherd. We, we learn what it is. A shepherd leads, guides, protects, and provides. My hunch is for most of us who came in today, there's an area of our life where we're confused. There's an area of our life we're afraid. There's an area of our life we're carrying a heavy weight. There may, may be some of us here that you came in the door today and life is perfect. Like you are hitting on all cylinders. No worries, no fear. And I'd like to meet the two of you afterwards. <laughs> just to see what it feels like, right? But, but if you're like me, life is hard, right? And, and we go through it. And so here's what, here's what I found out about myself. Here's what I found out. Sometimes I believe the Lord is my shepherd and sometimes I don't. Have you been there? Have you, been there? you know, when I first started studying this passage, uh, it was a couple months ago, and, and it just really struck me this opening line, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. And it struck me, because what I, I realized what David was saying is if the Lord is your shepherd, you're good. That's what he's saying. Hey, the Lord's your shepherd, you're good. I mean, you're, I, okay, I'll spell it out for you. You're gonna have green grass, you're gonna have pasture, you're gonna make protection, you know. <laughs> you know, you know. You know, it's like, you can't write a song with one little statement. You gotta do it, you know. But, you know. But, but are you with me? Because really, once you've said the Lord is your shepherd, you're done. Because if Yahweh is your shepherd, by definition, you're good. Because he is compassionate, and he's full of grace, and he is abounding in love and he always keeps his promises and he's slow to anger. And when we screw up, he's quick to forgive. And so if Yahweh is your shepherd, you're good, you see? And, and what I began to realize is there's times in my life where I act as if I don't have a shepherd. 
And you know what the signals it the most? There's two things that signal when, you, when you're acting like you don't have a shepherd. The first one's worry and the second one's fear. When there's worry or fear, what we're really saying is we don't have a shepherd. And so I gotta figure this thing out. Like, like, like my life screwed up. I, I, I don't know which direction to go. I gotta figure this thing out. And so like, I don't have a shepherd. So it's all up to me to figure out how to get to point A to B. It's all up to me to figure out how to fix this marriage. It's all up to me to figure out how to fix this finances, this health thing or whatever. That, that I don't have a shepherd. And so when I'm worrying, what am I saying? Like, like you don't have a shepherd. What did Jesus say? When Jesus came in Matthew chapter six, he says, why do you worry about what you will put on or what you will eat or what you will drink? He says, all the pagans who don't really know God, they worry about these things. I get that. They don't have a shepherd, but you have a shepherd. So why are you worried? Because your father knows that you need these things. And he's going to provide. And so you just need to focus on seeking first my kingdom, what's important in life, and I'll take care of all the rest. What's he saying? You've got a shepherd. And if you've got a shepherd, you're good. You see? If you've got a shepherd, you're gonna, now, now, now catch this. So, so I love how this, this, this psalm ends then. For surely goodness and mercy, goodness and love, they're gonna chase you down all the days of your life. You are never gonna outrun the love of God, right? Like if you, if the Lord is your shepherd, man, all eyes are on you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And, and that moment that you freak out because you realize you've got an issue, like he already knew you had an issue. Like you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, when you pray, don't go on and on and on because your father already knows what you need before you ask it. It might be a new need to you. It's not a new need to him. You will never think of anything he doesn't know of. Like you're gonna gonna go, oh God, something just happened. He's like, whoa, never saw that one coming. (laughs) Woo, let me get my staff, my, oh shoot. It's taking a break there and that wolf came in. I'm sorry, right? Not gonna happen, not on his watch. If the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. It is a promise. He does not sleep on the job. And so what that means is that in our life, when I said the first thing was worry, the second thing is worry on steroids, and worry on steroids is fear. Like like worry is little fear, like fear is big fear. Right? So worry on steroids is fear. And so the second sign that, that we're, we're acting as if, God, we don't have a shepherd, is fear. And when we're living with fear, what we're really saying is we don't believe we have a shepherd. And, and so the question I have for you today, as we come to the end of the service, the question I have for you is what did you come in with today? What is your worry what, what's your fear? I, I've got mine, what's yours, right? And can I tell you this, that ever since I've studied this, there's been many times where God has just whispered at the back of my, back of my head as I start to worry as, about something, I start to get afraid, there's something that goes on that, that God begins to worry. I mean, God begins to speak and say, the Lord is your shepherd. That's all he says, the Lord. Because if the Lord is your shepherd, then it's all good. Let's pray. You know, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Uh, I want to give us some time to reflect and to think and, and, and just kind of prepare to go into worship together. 
And, and so while we're, 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 our heads are bowed, I want to talk to those of you who have never yet given your life to Christ. And, and so at this point, you don't have a shepherd. You're out there on life, uh, trying to do life on your own. It's not gone so well. And you realize you need a shepherd and, and that you have one. You have one who's ready to shepherd you. He loves you so much. He came to give you life. He came to die for you so that he would have the right to be your, your shepherd. And so you have to enter into that. Though. You have to receive that gift. You have to ask him to come in and be your shepherd and surrender to his leadership. And so if you're here today and you say, Mike, I want to know I want the Lord to be my shepherd. I want Christ to come and be the good shepherd of my life. I want to receive this new life that he died to give me. I want to learn how to follow him. Then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray a very simple prayer. And if it expresses the desire of your heart, I'd ask you to pray it along with me under your breath or in your mind, your heart. God will hear. Nothing magic about the prayer. What's magic is your heart of calling out to Jesus to come and shepherd you. And he will respond to that. And so if you would just pray along with me, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to be my shepherd. I ask you to forgive me for all my rebellion and living life with, apart from you. I ask you to, to be the God that forgives my wickedness and rebellion and sin. I ask you to show me your compassion and your abounding love and to come into my life and to fill me with your spirit and to Give me life, both for this life and the next life, to teach me how to follow you. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If you just prayed that prayer, I'd ask you to do me a favor. In just a couple of minutes, we'll be taking our offering. Inside your program is a little connect card. If you'd fill it out, write me a note on the back. It says, Mike, I asked Jesus to be my shepherd. I'll know exactly what you mean. And that will trigger a couple of events. We'll send you a letter this week from me just with some first steps in your new journey with the shepherd. We'll contact you with information about baptism because if you're serious about Jesus being your shepherd, he said that we were to go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize every believer. And, and that's the first step of following him. And so we're having a baptism in a couple of weeks. We'll talk with you about that, what it means. And you can see if you're ready to do that, to follow, truly follow Christ. And now while our heads are bowed, for those of us who are Christ followers, I'd ask you as my brothers and sisters, what, what worry did you bring in today? What fear did you bring in today? And, and I would ask you just to draw close to Christ during this time and to release that fear to him. Just to relax and to rest and to realize if God is your shepherd, you don't have to figure it all out. If God's your shepherd, you don't have to provide everything. If God's your shepherd, you don't have to protect. That he will guide and he will lead. He will provide. He'll protect. And so what is it right now that in this time of worship, you need to release to him that you carried in today. You're forgetting just like I do all the time. I forget that God's my shepherd. And just today that you need to embrace that truth. That if God is your shepherd, it's all good and you can trust him. So God, we come before you as a church and we pray now as we enter into worship and we sing about your amazing love and how you lead us like a shepherd as we sing about your goodness and your love that follow us, pursue us, chase us down all our life. We pray you'd meet us in this time. We pray that you, this would truly be a time of encounter where we'd hear your voice. We'd sense your spirit. You would 
you would restore our souls. You'd make us lie down in green pasture. That during this time, you'd lead us by still water. That during this time, you'd prepare a table in the presence of our enemies. And the most of all, that we would come face to face with this truth that we need to be reminded of so many times. That your goodness and your love, your tov, your chesed, it will pursue us. Your mercy all the days of our life. We pray you receive our offerings as we bring them to you, as we worship you together. Amen. In his name, we overcome. Right? In his name, we overcome. What, what name? Well, Yahweh name, right? The, the compassionate, the one abounding in chesed, uh, covenant loyalty, slow to anger, quick to forgive, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet, not hold, yet holding the guilty, but letting them go unpunished, a God who is committed to justice, what's right and good and true. In his name, we overcome, in his name. And, and what is his name? Today we've learned his name is Shepherd. That's one of his names. That, that if you're one of his, that he leads, he guides, he protects, he provides. And so if the Lord is your shepherd, then you have everything you need. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, after the service today, we always have an opportunity. I don't always remember to mention it, but I just like to, after the service, we always have our opportunity for more prayer. So anything you're going through in your life, maybe today you prayed and asked Christ to be your shepherd. You want to talk to someone about that? Maybe just a, an area of worry or fear. You'd like to process and pray together. Uh, just go back to the back. It's to my left. There's a green sign lit up back there. That's just kind of prayer corner. You can, there's some back pastor friends, elders, different people, prayer, prayer people in our church just would love to pray with you. And that's there every week. And so if I don't mention it every week, just know that it's, every, it's there every week. Now, next week, I'm very excited about the message. Someday I'll, I'll say, you know, next week's message is pretty not exciting, but um, but I just like every time, I'm so excited about the next thing. But um, next week, uh, you know, one of the big ideas, the big themes and topics in the Psalms is worship. And, and what does it look like to be a person that has been captured by the heart of God and, and been rescued and restored and received this new life? And it so captured us that just the natural outflow of our life is worship. And, and what does it look like to be a church that's been so captured by the heart of God that we can't wait to get here to worship him and, and to love on him and to experience him and encounter him? And, and what, what kind of environment do we need to create that really sets us free to worship? And so next week, the, the topic is worship. And we won't be looking at one particular psalm. We'll be looking at several different psalms as we press into this core calling of, of us as worshipers. You know, Jesus said, that uh, God is spirit and he's in truth. And to worship him, we must worship in spirit and in truth. And he says, these are the kinds of worshipers that God is looking for. And so do you want to be one of those people that God is looking for? And you see? And so next week, we're going to talk about that. What does it look like to be a true worshiper as uh, David and some of the other artists uh, in the psalm lead us through these lyrics of what it means? So until then, may the Lord be with you. May he be your shepherd and may he be your guide. And when you go through times of, of kind of deep valleys of darkness, shadow of death, 
may you not fear, for you may know the Lord is with you and that his rod to protect you, his staff to guide you are with you. And may you know that his goodness and his mercy, his tov and his chesed, that it follows you, pursues you all the day of your life and that you will never outrun the love of God for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless. See you next weekend. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.